I'm not sure how much I'm going to stick in my notes today, because David is on ProPresenter. <laughs> no, I'm doing him a favor. That wasn't a shot. That was a, hey, whatever. Um, we've been talking about box hedge visions for a while. I was walking with my wife yesterday. We did a, I did a wedding yesterday and walking around uh, in Mississauga, and there were a bunch of hedges, but they were... They were, they were trimmed in a circle, and I was like, box circles. We should do box circles. <laughs> and Valerie's like, that's ridiculous, Rob. Be quiet. And I was like, all right. Just as a follow-up, uh, just, I mean, that was me being ridiculous. Now I get to say, where is my wife? She's not even in here. Sweet. Um, I get, oh, there she is. Hey, she is here. She's hiding. <laughs> hiding. Uh, so so we, were, uh, we were walking yesterday, and... Uh, or sorry, we're at this wedding yesterday, and, and they, asked, they asked for uh, people to give advice to the newly married couple. And Val and I had invested six weeks of pre-marriage counseling with this couple, so we knew all of the nitty-gritty. We knew everything that could happen. We knew everything that, that they need to know and they need to remember on their wedding day. And I'd just given a really awesome sermon on the, on the wedding, and it was awesome, and it was so powerful. And so they're asking for advice for the newly married couple, and uh, and Valerie gets up to the gets up to the oh uh, advice or a song you're right um, to to the newly couple and and Valerie gets up to the uh, to the podium and she says well my name is Valerie and I'm the wife of the minister and uh, and I'm also a therapist and so you know you'd be expecting me to uh, to do all of this like really profound stuff she said but the problem is I'm a I'm a children's therapist, so uh, here's what you get. And she starts to lead the whole people into Skinner Marinky Dinky Dink. So, right there you go. So we're uh, <laughs> there's the advice. Um, box hedges, box hedges, not not round hedges. Box hedges. They're powerful gardening tools. The box hedges create a landscape. They let you know where you should walk and where you shouldn't walk. They let you know what the expected culture is. And, and that's what I believe the church should be setting. I think that the church in the 21st century has abdicated its role of being the backbone of culture. We've abdicated and, and reduced our role to simply saying, oh, oh, all we offer is a belief in Jesus. It's an abstract belief in Jesus. You just, you just say your thing and then you get to go to heaven forever and you get to live your life just the same as everybody else. But the church is actually, one, one minister said this and it challenged me. They said it 20 years ago. They kept on saying it. It challenged me. The church is the hope of the world. And I was like, but isn't Jesus the hope of the world? And he was like, the church is the hope of the world because it is through the church that Jesus is revealed. It's through our actions, our participations, what we do in our community that shapes the landscape. And when the church is absent, there's a huge mess in our culture. There's a vacuum in our culture. Our culture doesn't know what to do anymore. And I look at 21st century Canadian culture and I say, indeed, we don't know what to do anymore. 
We need box hedges. The camera people in the back would like to box hedge Rob when he's preaching. There's no more stage to keep him from wandering away. Amen. I'm doing it for the sake of the people in the, in the room, because if I stand in one spot, half your heads are blocked. If I stand in another, half your heads are blocked. So, we are, we're box hedging. And the question we've been struggling with over the past couple weeks is how does a church know when it's ready to start another church? We've been going through metrics, and, and the first metric we said was we're going to start another church when we have a good, healthy community, when people are in, able to engage in the experience of God, and you're able to ex- engage in community with each other, and you have voice inside the sermons. Well, guess what? We checked that box pretty good. I love this community. I love our breaks. I love our ability to gather. I love the way that we care about each other. The second one was a little bit harder because it's finances, and you can't really start a whole new site without having the finances behind. And so we know that one of the metrics for us is that we need $50,000 devoted to the church plant. Right now, we have a total of $0 devoted to the church plant. So this isn't a tomorrow vision. This isn't like a, uh, oh, we wake up in the morning and bam, there's a church plant. There is much work to be done. The purpose of this sermon series is to let us know the intention of where we're going as a church. What God is calling us to. We will have many little churches all over Bradford that we will, you know how our signs are yellow out front? One of our early, one of our early signs was, was we're gonna, our early thoughts is we're going to paint the town yellow on a Sunday morning. We're going to have these Promise Church signs everywhere. Promise Church meets here. Promise Church meets here. Promise Church meets here. That somebody is driving out of their parking lot, and they drive, maybe they're thinking they're going to go to the grocery store, and they pass three different sites that say Promise Church meets here. Every Sunday, they're starting to see Promise Church, Promise Church, Promise Church, shaping culture. This is what God's calling us to do. So, so we, need the, we need the finances in the bank to start to be able to do that. And, and God is going to provide. I have no doubt. I have zero doubt that the finances will be there when we need to go. But that's one of the metrics. The third metric is growing healthy theologically. So today, throughout our message, if you have questions about what it means for us to plant a church or, you know, anything, um, put that into Slack General, and and I'm going to be addressing that. Someone on Slack actually says, uh, says, box hedges only stay square by constant pruning. Otherwise, they all go native. That's so true. Healthy theology is where we start to say, yes, this is what we're learning. This is what's happening. This is how we're doing it. This is how it grows. And so, so we, we do this. And people have been asking, okay, so what does it mean? Who, what does it mean for people to be growing in healthy theology, and what does that have to really do? But most of us want to know about strategy and whether I'm going to go to the new church site or whether they're going to go to the new church site or who's staying here and what's going on with that. And today I'm, I'm hoping to, to bring some clarity onto the metric that will help answer the question, who's going and when? See, 
healthy theology is foundational to a healthy church, and a healthy church plants more churches. So I promise we're adamant that everything we do has to have a healthy theological backbone. We don't simply do something because it seems fun or flashy or trendy. We always want to see how what we're doing expands the vision and the mission of our church, every community experiencing God. So we impact people's theology as we go and foreshadow the fulfillment of God's promises. We impact people's theology. Here's the thing. Your theology has changed in your life. Your theology has changed. It has grown. It has developed. It is, it is starting to reflect more and more of who God is. God hasn't changed. But what you've understood about God changes. If you're in, uh, if you're in grade school and you have an idea about God then by the time you're in high school, if you've continued to pursue God, you will have a different idea of God. By the time you are a parent and you start to see God through the lens of being a parent, your vision of God, your theology of God starts to shift because things that you've now experienced have actually changed the way that you think about God. And you start to see God in a whole new light. I've heard the same happens with a grandparent, but you don't get to give God back. You just get to give the grandkid back right at the end. But I've never been a grandparent, so I don't know that. But I know that there are stages in life that, that we get our view changed. I know that our theology shifts when we hear strong teaching from the Word of God and our theology is corrected or righted because maybe we made some assumptions about God that all of a sudden we read a Bible verse and go, well, that doesn't fit with what I believe about God. And we're stuck with this idea of, well, do I just set that aside and say, oh, well, that must have been for a different time? Or do I simply say, how does that now change my view of God? Our theology is growing, but the whole world, their theology is shaping and growing as well. But their theology is shaping and growing outside of the instruction of scripture. Boxhead is going wild. They've got like, this goes here and that goes there and, and we place this idea over here and we, put, we elevate this value over where God elevates it and we say this is what the way we should run our world. And it doesn't work. Theology is shifting. And so for us to plant a new a new site, our third metric is an observation of strong growth of healthy theology in the church. And that's very subjective. But where it gets very objective and very tangible and easy to measure is when we say we want to see growth, growing theology, healthy growing theology in the lives of people that do not yet attend a promised church. We're talking about planting a new site. It means that what we're looking for, it's vital, that we want to take 30 people and start a site, but those 30 people aren't the people sitting in this room right now. 
Those 30 people are the people that God is already starting to work in their hearts, changing their theologies. And we will go and we will minister and we will find those that God is calling. And we will connect with those and we will say, we will say, yes, come into an understanding of who God is. Come into an understanding of who God is. So we're going to look at a neighborhood. We're going to isolate a neighborhood, and we're going to go into that neighborhood, and we're going to do promise grants, and we're going to we're going to do adopt a street and pray for streets in that neighborhood, and we're going to we're going to be doing make a difference campaigns, and we're going to be doing street meet and greet barbecues in a neighborhood, and we're going to be finding people of peace. Like Luke 10 says, go out in, in pairs of people and go into the community. And, and, and if somebody receives you, tell them that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. And, and be at peace with them and serve with them and love with them. And, and this is what we do. And we go into a community and we start to change people's theology. Hey, we just did 10 weeks on evangelism. This involves evangelism. This involves walking into a community and serving a community and speaking the truth of Jesus boldly and saying Jesus is the way to God because he is God incarnate. And this is what we do. And our third metric for, for planting is growing healthy theology in new people. So to be clear, we're looking, when we started Promise Church five years ago and one week, five years ago and one week is when we started Promise Church at, at Chris Hadfield Public School. And when we started this church, we had 27 people. 27 people. And we were able to start this church, and this church, although attendance doesn't quite show it today, this church is around 120 regular attenders. Actually, I think it's 133, to be honest. There we go. There's our actual official number. 133 regular attenders, and that's about where we want this, this expression of the body of Christ to be. And then we want to find 27 new people who are coming to Christ or who have just moved to Bradford and they're displaced from their church because their church is where they used to live and it's two and a half hours away and detached from what God is doing in their life now. And so they're looking for a new church and they're saying, oh, we need a new church. We need a new place to come and settle in, a new place to be able to say, yes, Jesus is at work here in my neighborhood, on my street. And so we're looking for these 20 to 27 new people who are engaged in early gatherings and meetings and are interested in planting the expression of Promise Church in their subdivision. Hey, this isn't simple. This takes work. This is going to take dedication and commitment. It's going to take, it's going to take audacity. It's going to take strength. It's going to take the infilling of the Holy Spirit to give us boldness to speak words. It's going to take staff to be able to say, all right, my attention is going to shift towards this new subdivision, and I'm going to start to serve inside this subdivision. It's going to take me on a Tuesday morning all the way to a Tuesday evening walking inside of a subdivision, knocking on doors, telling people about Jesus. It's going to take any one of you to come and join and say, hey, I want to be on this journey as well. And we start gathering people midweek and we start giving a vision of God and teaching people who Jesus is who might not darken the door of a church because why would they? Why would they? Think about it. Think about your neighbor that came to your street meet and greet. Why would they come to church? 
What do they do on a Sunday morning? And so we've got this piece where God is giving us an opportunity. He's giving us an opportunity to say, we can grow in our faith. Our evangelism sermon series taught us that when you share your faith, you grow. When you actually are involved in doing the mission of God in the world around you, you grow. That's why God made me a pastor, because he knew how much growth I needed. He's like, oh, this guy's going to take work. He can be a pastor. And, and this is... Some people have known me for a long time. They're like, amen. (laughs) This is the call of God on us. We're not called to be just people who sit and say, oh, isn't God great? I hope that God fixes all the problems. God has asked us to participate to foreshadow the fulfillment of God's promises. We've heard that before. But this is what we're asked to do. To go and show people the truth and the glory of God. So we're going to be, cha- we, have, we have these three metrics. The first metric is this. We're a healthy community. It means that when, that when we argue, when we, when we struggle with each other, we do so with a deep sense of commitment to each other. It's okay to disagree as long as you're committed to each other. I mean, isn't that true in marriage? It's okay to disagree as long as you're committed to each other. And that's what I want this community to be. That is a mark of a healthy community. We can disagree. We can walk together. We are committed to each other in the body of Christ. That that one's easy. The second one is a little bit harder. We've got to have that 50,000 dedicated in the the bank. And I actually have a, a spreadsheet outlining here's what all the costs are and here's why that cost is the amount that it is. It covers a little bit of the deficit when you go into a new church. It covers a little bit of the deficit of paying the bills for the first little bit while that church becomes self-sustaining. It covers the cost of new sound equipment. We're we going to be using this sound equipment here, so we're going to need new sound equipment at the next space. Uh, we're going to try to duplicate everything we have. It makes it easier for, like, if there's a tech issue. So we're going to get the same soundboard, a second one of them, even though they're a little bit older. Uh, we'll just find a used one, get a second one of the same thing that way. We know how to fix it. And we can just be like, okay, this is, this is easy to fix. Um, so we've got these things. So that $50,000 is the next one. But the third one is the hardest. We're allowed to plant a church. God is saying, go, do it, make it happen. But draw these new people from a specific subdivision. Draw them in. And so we're starting to pray and we're starting to say, okay, God, what, what subdivision? Where are we going Luke 10 is amazing because Luke 10 says go into the town and, and see if a person of peace invites you in. And, and, and if they don't invite you in, if everybody in that town rejects you, you, you go to the exit of the town, which usually, you know, towns had two or three gates in them or entrances or exits if they weren't walled communities, and uh, just the main road to the next town. You go to the main road that goes to the next town and you just shake the dust off of your feet and you just... And the Bible says, the Bible says it would be better for that community, um, it would be better for, for uh, Sodom and Gomorrah than it would be for that community in judgment. I hope we don't do that. I hope we don't have to shake our, fe- our feet off. But there's an element where when we step into a community and we start to foreshadow the fulfillment, God's bringing some people along. And, and if there are no people of peace that, that discover, we just 
walk away, go into another community. We walk away, we go, okay, God, where do you want to grow then? Where are we going? So that's the approach that we're going to take. It's a very humble approach. It's a very, it's a very intentional approach where it's like, okay, God, there are more people in Bradford that need to know Jesus. Our town is, I was talking to, a, uh, I was talking to the deputy mayor a month ago. Our town is scheduled to double again, people. Bradford is scheduled to double again in size in the next seven years. Yeah, that's fun. And I'm excited about that. But we'll be talking about a community of 65 to 70,000 people in this community over the next seven years. Currently, currently, there are nine churches serving the entire community. The majority of churches serving this community are around this size. If you do the math, you start to realize, wow, the church has a great mission in front of it. There is a great field, a great number of people that need to know Jesus. It's the hardest metric we have. So we can plant this, and we can do this, but we have to continually look to God for direction, and this requires prayer. This requires great prayer. There is nothing that we're going to do because we have a good business model, or because we have really flashy brand, or we have, we have uh, this going for us or that going forth for us. The only thing that we have is we have a God who wants to see people everywhere, everywhere raising holy hands and worshiping him. That's what we have, a God who has a desire for this to happen. And so we need to pray. We need to be praying about it. Our next sermon series, uh, next week is a forum, and the, the sermon series coming after that is, is about prayer prayer that works. We have to be praying. The, we have to be involved in service. Continue to serve in promise grants. These matter. Your promise grant, the promise grants that come up that are available right now, um, and I think that we can have a couple of them post, posted or boosted in Slack right now, um, that are coming up. Be involved in them because they build the the foundation upon which we start to say, this body of Christ is active and bringing hope into the world. So we, we pray about that, and we get involved in service. We get involved in evangelism and telling people about Jesus. And you know what? God's calling me to lead that. He's like, yeah, yeah, you're a lead pastor, and lead pastors are usually so busy writing sermons and doing all of the stuff and maintaining all of the stuff. And God's like, no, 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 I'm putting you on the cutting edge. I'm putting you right out the front. Like an old king going to war, leading the troops. I'm putting you out on the front, and you're going to lead. And I'm like, oh, God, so please pray for me as I step into the role of an evangelist, and, and I'm preaching during the week and telling people about Jesus and join. Join with me. We're going to need that. 
We're going to need to learn how to gather well with people who don't, who don't yet know us. And we're going to need to learn the art of gathering and hosting and meeting new people and establishing good culture around new people in, with strangers. Whoa. We're going to need faithfulness and persistence. This metric requires way more than we've asked before. And so this is where we need to lean into prayer. So let me just quickly go through a few stages. The first stage of what we're going to do is gathering. Gathering is going to, we're going to allow our integrity as a church that engages our community to target a new subdivision. It'll start when I start going into communities and knocking on doors, looking for people who want to connect, who want to see their community made stronger. We'll be foreshadowing the fulfillment of God's promises. I'll be meeting with people that attend the local school in in that community, and I'm going to start talking to people about Jesus. We're going to start hosting meet and greets in that community. Street meet and greets, barbecues, because we know how to do that, and we do it well. Let's not try to be someone who we're not. We're already good at this. And we go and we start building community. And we start doing street meet and greets. We're going to find displaced Christians. We're going to find people who have questions about Jesus. We're going to find people that, that are spiritually searching. And we're going to proclaim the gospel. We'll do make a difference campaigns in that, in that same community. We need to build trust in this new community. And so I'm going to ask people to start coming together and talk about what a church might look like in that subdivision, what's important. I'm going to start sharing vision and values. I'm going to start building community, a sense of identity of who we as a new community are. I'm going to add more people to the group. Then when we have that 20 to 25 new people who are interested in starting a church, then our stage two is going to happen. By then, that time we'll have the money in the bank We'll have the healthy community at 66 Berry Street. We'll have the 20 to 25 people. Then we're going to move into actually the Sunday morning services. We're going to start to rent a a gym in in that neighborhood. And we're going to rent a gym. We're going to set up tables. We're going to do what we do. We're going to have Pastor uh, Devin help us duplicate and say, okay, we're going to set this up. And, and Pastor Danielle is going to be teaching one site, and I'm going to be teaching another site. And we'll just be, we'll be tag-teaming and sharing. And, and the same messages are going to happen because the messages are all going to be written together. And the services, the services are at the beginning of Promise Church when it was small. They were slightly different than they are now. So we're going to allow for a smaller service to happen again. I'm going to find, we're going to find all this happen. See, this is, these are the stages that it's going to happen in. These are the stages that we're going to start to see this gathering. The beginning of a transplanted box hedge. A brand new plant. And... It's crazy. How many people think this is a little bit crazy? You know, we got, we, got, we got some people being honest. This is a little bit crazy. You know, I think it's crazy too. But I also think that when... I also think that when Joshua was the, the uh, army... was coming in against Israel. 
And they're coming in hot. And they're coming in from above. They're up on a cliff. And they're encamped. And Joshua looks at his armor bearer and says, hey, let's go up there and kick some butt. And let's see what God's going to do. And his armor bearer goes, I think you're a little bit crazy. And Joshua's like, well, I mean, if we die, we die. That was going to happen anyways. But if we don't, what a great story this is going to be. So they climb up together. And they've got their, their armor. And they break into the enemy's camp. And the enemy's camp goes into complete confusion. And they scatter and they're decimated, they're destroyed. Because a leader who followed after God's voice said, I think this is a wee bit crazy, but I think God can do it. And I believe that God can call people together. God can call people together to do great work. Someone else was just reflecting on Slack. They said that Jonah thought going to Nineveh to preach repentance to a bunch of Assyrian enemies was crazy. Jonah said, no way, I'm not doing it. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to run away. And God went, yeah, well, you're going to follow my crazy. And so Jonah goes. And Nineveh repents. And Jonah goes, see, I told you they'd repent. This is so crazy. There are enemies. They're not supposed to repent. My heart is honestly, and I'm not going to go through the rest of my notes. I want to just share my heart. My heart is that Bradford people have a valid opportunity to clearly hear and see the invitation to follow Jesus and see their lives changed. And I've been in church long enough to know that if the church doesn't get out of its normal, everyday, Sunday morning rut of saying, well, isn't this just a nice service? That we will never be able to accomplish the mission. We will never be able to lead enough people to Jesus and people will literally live and die without hearing a clear gospel presentation. I know it's true because I'm talking to peers of mine who are even just even older than me, even up to 50 years old. It shocks me every single time. I'm talking to people. We were talking to, to a young woman at the wedding yesterday. Zero idea of who God is. Man, we have it in our head that, oh, the world doesn't actually, like the world has rejected God. No, I will tell you the truth. The world does not know about God. The world doesn't know. And my heart says, we must go. Yes, we must take care of this community. Yes, we must always have a healthy community. We must go. If we just take care of this community, we become the definition of unhealth. That's what unhealthy means when it's just about us. And God is calling us to something so much greater. Look, I said that you'd understand a timeline. I'm going to finish with this. 
The timeline is a church that prays together grows together. We need to pray. We need to be involved in this. We need to be praying hard. We need to see God shape our hearts and move us in powerful ways. I believe that we can start to step into our community. I believe that God will prepare us to step into the next community within the next 12 months. Probably pushing the end of that 12 months where, where it's like we have a bunch of preparation work to do. We have to pray. We have to hear God's voice. And then we start to step into the community and see what God has in store. I'm challenged by this. Is anybody else challenged? Anybody else feeling a, a, a spiritual challenge here? This is a spiritual challenge. And so, someone said, if our vision can be fulfilled through our current resources, then it probably isn't enough of vision. Thank you for that. A good vision always stretches and forces us to rely on God. Rely on God. So good. Hey, I'm going to end us in prayer. This sermon series is humbling to me. It's humbling because what God's calling us into, I go, but God, how? And God goes, it's not by your strength. It's not by your might or your wisdom, but by my spirit. And so together, we will we'll go. So let me pray. Holy Spirit, we need you more than ever. We need you because you just disrupted our normalcy. You just disrupted our sense of, oh, this is just casual and normal, and you just made things really real. You just put a vision in front of us that we look at, and, and honestly, I, 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 I tremble in a way. I look at it and say, oh, but God, how do we pull this off? How could we, such a small church, how could we be in a place where, where even this could happen? But, but God, you do work. And so, Jesus, I pray that, that you would allow our hearts to be molded by you, that you would put into our hearts your mission, your vision, your ideas, that we would be taken and that, and that the, the personal views of what we want would, tra would be transcended by the cosmic views of what you want. God, I pray that you would expand our vision, expand our faith, expand our mission, expand our understanding of you. Jesus, I pray that you would would be involved in all of this and that you would bring glory to your name. Jesus, I pray that we who, who are maybe small, who are not big enough to plant a church, God, I pray that we would put that aside and that we would remember that there were, that there were just only a few in, in the temple and, and the Holy Spirit came upon them in great power and they changed their world. God, I look back in church history and see so many times when it was just a few that said, yes, we could do this. God, I pray that you'd raise up that type of faith in this room, in this congregation, that we would say yes to your vision. In Jesus' name, amen.